0: <laughs> um yes, Millie is my friend, not my daughter, but she's also my memory because we parented kids together for a lot of years, and three of our kids, she has three of six, three of them match up perfectly. And so in this process of talking about motherhood, she was we were away together about a month ago, and she would say, Remember when? And I was like, No. Thank you for reminding me. So she's she's gonna probably interject a little bit of my my life, too, because she's got a better memory, apparently, than I do. So, is my I th-
1: mic on? No. Testing, testing. Hello. She's um, and Millie contributed as a co-parent, I think, to some of our raising, which is really fun. A lot of our memories, and actually, especially, we were talking about modesty when we were preparing for this. And Millie goes, what did your parents tell you about modesty? And I was like, actually, I remember you telling me something. <laughs> and that was the thing that stuck, so... She's a contributor. Okay.
2: Thank
0: you. Um, so I think we're going to play the mom's song real quick. And we're going to all get on the same page. This was a viral video about 10 years ago, and all of y'all were in probably middle school, so you probably haven't seen it. My mom's going to actually sing,
1: sing over it, so... <laughs>
3: figured out what purpose. a mom would say in a 24-hour period and I have condensed it to two minutes and 55 seconds <laughs> so strap on your seat belt. here we go Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed Wash your face, brush your teeth, calm your sleepy head Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said Get up now, get up and make your bed Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework at? Grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat Eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big Talk to shovel, choose slowly, but hurry, the bus is here, be careful, come back here, did you wash behind your ears, play outside, don't play rough, would you just play fair, be polite, make a friend, don't forget to share, work it out, wait your turn, never take a dare, get along, don't make me come down there, clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away, make a bed, do it now, do we have all day, were you born in a barn, would you like some, hey, can you even hear a word, I say, answer the phone, get off the phone, don't sit so close, turn it down, no texting at the table. Where you going and with whom? And what time do you think you're coming home? Saying thank you, please, excuse me, makes you welcome everywhere you run You'll appreciate my wisdom someday when you're older and you're grown Can't wait till you have a couple little children of your own You'll thank me for the counsel I gave you so willingly. But right now I thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew. We appreciate Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork, do not burp, or I'll set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an egg get the door, don't be smart with me. Get a grip, get in here yeah, i count two, three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a ghost. So I- your story straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sake. And if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? If I've said it once, I've said at least a thousand times before that you're too old to act this way. It must be your father's DNA. Look at me when I am talking. Stand up straight or when you walk up the place for everything and everything must be in place Stop crying or I'll give you something real to cry about Oh! Wash your teeth, wash your face, get your PJs on Get in bed, get a hug, say a prayer with mom Don't forget, mm-hmm. I love you And tomorrow we will do this all again Because our moms You don't need the reason why Because, 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 because I said, so, I said so, I said so, I said so, I said so I'm the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom The mom! The mom.
0: That may have been a little bit difficult to hear all the words, but there is a video that has the words, you know, that come up with the song. And um, I think we can all say, hey, we're all on the same page here. After seeing that video, we've all, other than this one, um, we all have changed a ton. Well, you've changed some diapers too. Kirby Kirby actually would say she co-parented some of the kids. I did. I take 25% of credit for everything (laughs) camp does that's good. (laughs) And he's our youngest. Um, so I wanted to pop up uh, our family photo and just introduce you to our family first before we start talking about him. Um, okay, so from, let's see, your, from your left, we've got Connor, who's married to Allie. Uh, Camp is our youngest. Cade is our fifth. Then that's me. Uh, the next tall guy is Austin, Kirby's recent oh, fiancé. Oh. <laughs> Um, And then we've got Kirby, Uh, let's see, then Todd, Ramsey is our granddaughter, Allie's first child, then you have Allie, our oldest daughter, you have Cooper in the back there, and that he's our third child, first son, Uh, in front of him is his wife, Logan, and uh, then Landry is on the end. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about each one, and then Kirby and Allie are going to tell a little bit about themselves here in just a minute, but I wanted to just give you some words about each one of my kids um, so that you know, so that you can see, we have six kids. They're all so different. Um, Anyhow, Allie. Allie's easygoing. Um, She has an easy faith. She's a connector of people. And she thrives with a plan. Allie always wanted to know, "Hey, I'm going to be better off if you just tell me what's coming on Friday." Todd and I, we were little wheels off, and we were we kind of lived by every nights a weekend, and um, it's all going to work out. And Allie would have thrived had we given her more information ahead of time.
4: And on that, we were planning family vacations the day before, or maybe the day of, but it always it always did work out, and we had the best memories from those last minute trips. So then
0: Kirby, Kirby's um Kirby's a deep thinker kirby
1: thrived making the plan
0: yes okay. kirby is a deep thinker she's uh disciplined she's gifted um she's a truth teller and she's smart so you know when you're parenting and then you have a child who raises up and they're kind of they take their faith and they make it their own wow that's a challenge for a mom um, so, you know, it's been really fun to have uh, my kids growing up and making their faith their own and uh, and challenging me. And I'm learning so much as they become adults and um, live out their faith. Uh, Cooper, our number one son, he's, I would say he's single-minded. He's kind of risky and uh, he's a challenger. Um, he's a little bit like, he's got, a, Kirby and Cooper both have a little bit of Todd in them, more so than me. Um, Landry is our uh, third daughter. She's fun. She's sensitive. In that, if the tone were ever to get bad in our home, she immediately cried. So we always knew our tone was poor. If Landry cried and the dog ended up in the bathroom, so the dog would, <laughs> the dog would leave the room, and you're like, "Where's the dog?" And so, that was our signal. Okay, things are, things are getting a little escalated here. Um, Cade, who is our um, second son, funny, our most compassionate child, uh, reserved, and creative. And I think Millie said earlier, everybody in her family thinks Cade's our funniest kid. Um, then we've got Camp. And uh, Camp is fun, he's sharp, and he's savvy. And uh, he's, he's the only... Spoiled. very spoiled. Oh, spoiled. Uh, spoiled. <laughs> He's the only Wagner kid that has. we purchased stock for his birthday. That's been his birthday gift because he, he actually follows his stock and he watches it and he asks, can I, hey, can I add to my stock? And if I have any extra money, I want to buy some more stock. Nobody else has ever asked for stock. <laughs> Lululemon or, you know, whatever, but camp, Camp's interested in stock. So that gives you a picture of um, our six kids. Were you going to say something, Kirby?
1: a comment that camp is um turning yeezys most of y'all that might not connect but he literally buys shoes that kanye west produces and there's like 60 in the world he'll get a pair hold on to him let him accumulate value and then resell them so basically he's going to be the one that's rolling in it later so we're all staying close to camp
0: yeah yeah if you've seen shark tank he's kind of watching it on re- repeat you know he's he's always looking for the latest deal um Anyhow, so we're talking about motherhood today, and um, I wanted to read you something that I found from Landry from uh, from elementary school. And I wasn't going to cry, Leslie. Where is she? Okay. I wasn't going to cry today. That's why I played the mom song, because it's like funny, and it reminds you of all the work that goes into being a mom. But then she started talking about me being a mom, and having my girls, and I was like, I'm going to cry before this thing starts. That's why I came prepared. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Um, but anyhow, Landry, um, Landry gave me something that just said the top ten reasons a kid needs a mom. And I thought I'd read those to you. And she did this in elementary school. She's 20 now. Um, by the way, I have probably two tubs. Do you all have tubs of things stored in your garage? I have tubs, at least two, maybe more, of notes that my kids have written to me, that we've written to them. I've saved them. I found them all over the house, in piles, under beds, and I've got them all saved in a box. And so I spent a few weeks ago going through all those tubs, and talk about reminders. If I didn't have Millie's mind to remind me some of my parenting, I had my tubs of notes. And you know what? It's kind of a bummer to really, like, be a paper hoarder, but the memories were so awesome. Anyway, here's from Landry. Uh, Number one, I need you so you can tell me what the right thing to do is. Number two, I need you so someone can encourage me and love me. Number three, I need you so I can be alive and pumping blood. Number four, (laughs) so someone can love me and take care of me. Number five, I need you so I will always have a friend. I need you so I can be organized. I need you so you can forgive me for doing things. And I need you, number eight, so I can have an amazing house. And then in parentheses, and mom. Uh, Number nine, so I can have food and water. And then number 10, which I thought was funny, uh, because everyone needs a loving mom. If you were the only mom that disciplined, that would still mean that you're the best mom. (laughs) And so I loved, you know, reflecting back on those early years of, you know, having kids and just some of the ways that they encouraged me. And listen... Um I can uh, what I want you to hear from us today is we aren't we have we are in spite of us God has been faithful his gracious grace has been sufficient in all of our parenting parenting um we ha you're going to get to hear some of the good things that we did, but the- thankfully they didn't ask me like, will you tell us all about all the bad things that you did so we can avoid them um because there are plenty of those too, so in spite of us um you know, we have six kids who are walking with the Lord and there's no greater um there's no greater thing than having your children walking in the truth. There's no greater joy than having your kids walking in truth. And that's the privilege of like being committed and hanging in there. And I know a lot of you are just getting started. Um, so let's hang in there together. Um I think Kirby's gonna tell you a little about about herself and then Allie.
1: Yeah, so um I uh, am just going to share my testimony really quick so you kind of have a context for who I am. And the amazing thing is, is Allie and I grew up in the exact same environment, but have um, similar but pretty different experiences because of the ways that we're wired. And so um, it'll just be an interesting thing for y'all to hear, two daughters who grew up in the exact same environment that just experienced different things and required pretty different parenting Um, But I'm going to tell my story really in the way of how my parents and the Lord together have made me who I am today. Um, And so uh, that obviously started me growing up around this place with parents that could not have been more devoted to Christ or to the mission of the church. And so I grew up in a world that I didn't really know there was such a thing as a person who didn't know and believe in God. Um, and Jesus was always real. He was always my savior. God was always the creator of the world. Someone I should give my life to. Um, and it wasn't just you know a fact. It was like the best fact ever because I saw my parents and their best friends living a life that was completely committed um, to knowing this God and to worshiping Him with their life. And so, I think that's really the thing that got me so interested in my own faith is I saw my parents owning something in a way that. Uh, I really didn't see in any of my peers, Um, and that was from sunup to sundown, and from Sunday through Saturday, our family was all about uh, faith in the church, and um, the community of believers that we were running and doing life with, and so that was really what drew me to faith, is just the funnest thing I did every week, where all my best friends were, and um, the place that I always wanted to be was the church, and so, um, yeah, that was kind of my reality, was God is real, and church is the best thing ever, which I know is a unique story um, and definitely one that set me apart from my peers. But really kind of my experience in that was God was always real, but it took me um, walking through, I think, about three years uh, of realizing that I was capable um, of really crazy and really scary things that made me realize that I needed Jesus. And so what this, what I mean by that is um, I struggled growing up, and and it's funny, we've kind of talked about this, and again, my experience and my memories, or my experience and my memories, and so my parents kind of are helpful to me in that they kind of remind me it wasn't exactly like that, but um, I walked through this period where I was having really scary dreams, Um, I was uh, not able to control my thoughts, I was really like, uh, basically, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a way of saying OCD without saying OCD, because I was never diagnosed or anything like that, but definitely struggled with some compulsive thoughts, and uh, and basically, I, I became aware of everything a person who didn't love Jesus would do, and I was really afraid that that's what I was going to do, or that's really what I wanted to do, and so um, it drove me to a place where I wasn't sleeping well, and I was confessing obsessively to my parents, because I really needed them to know what was in my heart, like Mom, I know I didn't do this, but I, I thought about doing this, or I thought about thinking about doing that, and so um, it's really funny. Some of those notes are these really sad, hilarious, depressing little notes I'd write her and be like, Mom, today I thought about saying I hate you to Allie, and then as soon as I thought about saying that, I thought about how bad it would be, and so I really need you for like, I would just letter after letter of these things that I would think about doing, um... But it really made me realize my need for Jesus because even if I was a good kid on the outside and making right decisions and serving around my house and loving my siblings um, and being a good student, I had this, like, inner person that was really scary. And um, and the temptation for me was to think that nobody knew and that God didn't know and that my parents didn't know, um, which drove me to confession. But at the same time... Um, made me realize I need Jesus because that is what I'm capable of. And so um, through those years, kind of fifth to eighth grade, is when I really started pursuing a relationship with Christ myself. And scripture memory was a huge part of that for me because I kind of needed to lift the needle of the record and take off the insanity record and put on the scripture memory. So I just like obsessively repeat that in my head as I fell asleep. Um... But that was really like what kind of initiated my relationship with the Lord was a desperate need for freedom from my own mind. Um, And my parents really empowered me in that way of not over dramatizing what I was walking through, not slapping a label on me, not, you know, sending me to be handled by somewhere else. But really, you know, including me in conversations with their community, praying for me, um, giving me scripture to memorize and then holding me accountable and encouraging me to take my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ Um, so I think the two biggest things in my story that really, you know, like catapulted me into my own adult life, walking with Jesus and where I am today is, um, they invited me into the mission of the church, which was so fun and, and had that element for me as a kid that I was really attracted to. And then, um, they empowered me in my own faith and, and asked me to be responsible, um, and, uh, included me in conversations that, that made me not feel like, a little kid, but really helped me mature on my own and say, "Like Kirby, if you're going to find freedom, you need to take some responsibility on your own." And so um, that was a huge part of it for me. And then the last thing I'll really say, and a lot of happened in that: I went to high school, I went to college, um, and I got engaged. And you know that's all a part of who I am too. But the biggest things in parenting were definitely um, those few things I just mentioned. But my story, I think, is really summarized in Psalm 16 which I'll read right now, it says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And just to pause here, it says, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. And my life from the outside looks like I've been a pretty faithful kid, but I know because of my experience, but also because um, of the environment that I live in that apart from the Lord, I have no good in me. Um, and the saints, the ones that I was raised next to, Mrs. Hale and her family and all of these watermark families I got to grow up with, were the ones in whom was all my delight. And I got to see through others' experience that the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Um, and then it says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot and the lines have fallen for, fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And so that is kind of one of my life verses, that the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, which is to say, by and large, I have walked within the boundary lines that God has set for me, and it has been a blessing and um, an incredibly pleasant and joyful experience um, growing up, following the rules, but um, definitely walking in the way that God created for me and and all due to God's grace on my life. So that's me. Love it.
4: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Way to go. I tried to so, keep it short. You did, did great. So I'm Ali, married to Connor and the oldest Wagner. Can't be sure you're recording me. <laughs> okay, so early on, like my mom mentioned, I had just had a very easy, simple faith. The Spirit um, the spirit worked on me really quickly, and I trusted at an early age. I trusted that God's way was best, and I had a father, an earthly father who just modeled that love. And so in my mind and heart, it was very easy for me to realize that there was a God, a heavenly God, a heavenly father up there that truthfully loved me. And I trusted that and honored and trusted the words of my earthly father. And that was a great way for me to understand at an early age who Jesus was and how he loved me. Um, Yeah, I just simply believed. School was always harder growing up. And so... My parents really helped me and pushed me towards um, just being faithful and trying my hardest. And um, I loved my art class and teachers and actually Nikki Mulner is in here. She was my art teacher in high school. So fun. I thought I was probably better than I was, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) So yeah, growing up, I just think my story is a little bit different than Kirby's. I didn't really question or fight through. Yeah, so I didn't need a lot of convincing of my faith. I needed a lot of compassion through middle school and high school because I lost a lot of friends, I felt like. I was the oldest Wagner, leading like I guess leading the charge, and it was just lonely. And I went, yeah, my high school friends went 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 one way, and then I had a great middle school small group leader, Stacy Parker is in the room. I don't know where she is, but so fun behind the song booth. And um, and then in high school, I joined another group of girls who were closer in proximity, and so I was with Kristen Schopelwich, and those those two groups really defined my community level of church and raising me and my parents pushed me to that they also pushed us in sixth grade to go through membership so we were members at an early age and I just remember loving that and serving and um, getting plugged in I think I think I'm going to give you more practical things because I think my childhood was one marked by a lot of grace and a lot of um, simple faith and so my parents I'll just give you some fun things they did so yeah, but I will say a lot of you are wanting to hear what Todd and Alex did great in. And I think more than that, what they did great in as humble believers, they were a part of the local church and they really did push us to their community group. So if I had pushback on them, I would call Count Lucina Thompson or Dean and Tony McFarland and ask for a curfew change or I don't know. I can just remember a few times calling and not agreeing and then going to them. So the community was always open for us to reach out to if we didn't agree with a discipline or something, it
1: was always our greatest threat. Like, yeah, don't make God. us
4: call the elders. Or don't make us call. Like,
1: I'll call yes. Mr. McFarland, Dad. Yeah, and they were like, "Okay." Oh, yeah, and I'll abused just abused community.
0: I'll interject there because you know we could only be the, uh, as good a parents as the people that we surrounded ourselves with. Um, well, you know, and walking, walking and abiding with the Lord, but then having people surrounding us that are walking with the Lord. Um, and who are going to say, "Wait a minute, your kids are right. You might want to rethink that." Um, or just by example, um, you know, helped us helped model for us what godly parents looked like. So, just like uh, you all may look at some gals who are just ahead of you a little bit, is like you know um, your your um, I guess mentor or or uh, your just your guide your godly. Um, woman in your life, um, you know, your community is going to be that for you. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, an, an older woman by age, but just someone a little further along or someone parenting with you who is right in the middle of it with you. And they're digging into God's word and saying, hey, um, we're there, we're, we're fighting through that too. And here's what God's word said to me. So anyhow, they did, um, have, uh, we had and they had a great community of believers to um, you know call on um, and reach out to. So I think Definitely. as I was, we're going to answer some questions in a few minutes. But I feel like community happens to be the answer to almost all of them. So I'm not going to say that every time, but I do want you to know that whatever I say that may sound like it was Todd and I, I mean it was so much bigger than that. Um, and of course, the Lord at the at the point. Um, but then the grace that God gave us by having an amazing community.
2: I was going to say one thing real quick, too, and then we'll go back to Allie. You know, the one word I hear so much lately that just really blesses me, and I'll probably tear up, so keep those Kleenexes, (laughs) is I spend a lot of time remembering and reminding myself of God's faithfulness. And I think when you're in community, I've been in my community for eight or nine years. And so I'll have a mom in my community struggling with something. And I'm like, oh, but remember what the Lord did eight years ago or six years ago or five years ago. And so I hear the word remind a lot. And I just think it's our our opportunity as other believers to remind people when they're struggling what God's done. Um, I listened to Alex um, talk about, you know, there's, the girls are saying how they were, you know, grateful that they grew up in a home of pe- parents that love Jesus. Well, I don't think Alex would say that that was her background. And I feel blessed to be up here because the Lord brought Alex and Todd into my life when my kids were new. I mean, Sally was the baby. And I'm so grateful. There was a fork in the road in my, fa- in my family for me. And that's for everybody. There can be a fork in the road. If you were not given that beaded wedding gown of of spiritual legacy, you know, keep on, guys. Keep on, you know. So I would just encourage you in that.
0: Yeah, and so um, if you look at Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. They're a heritage. And just like Millie uh, just said, you may not come from a heritage of spiritual, godly family, but you are at the beginning of that. And so, thank you for being here. And I know today doesn't just show, like, I'm just now getting after it as a godly mom. But, um, you know, we're so glad that you even are interested in what we have to say and what our story is. So... Mommy, do you want to oh, keep go going really quick? Oh, sure. I'm sorry, babe. Fine. No, I'm... I, you know, I just... Prepared. No, I'm just kidding. Okay.
4: <laughs> I just got to get through it. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So, um, so yeah, that... <laughs> Those their community group pushed me back to my parents, reminding me of who my parents were. And they reminded me that they loved me, they wanted the best for me, and they're not just crazy, you know. <laughs> so that was a great reminder. And then that, that spurred me on to seek my own community, like I mentioned, through 6th to 12th grade. And that marked my growing up years because it wasn't just what your parents are saying. You have other people pointing you back to the same truth. And so I think that was so crucial For my growing up. Um, So, yeah, my parents, they would guide me, but they wouldn't control me. So, they would always say, wisdom would say, blah, blah, blah. So, we would get to choose our decision. But as parents, we're going to choose your consequence. And then they would actually stick to it. (laughs) So, that was always (laughs) the zinger. There weren't a lot of empty threats. No. Maybe a little more for camp, but...
2: (laughs) But he's their so, favorite.
4: Yeah, he is the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they would, um, this could go any from, anywhere from movie choices to friends we're hanging out with to extracurricular activities. And the wisdom would say peace was always a great way to shift the blame on the Bible and Jesus and like what they believed. But it wasn't ever like, mom and dad are telling you you can't date at 13. That, that was never used. It was more so like, here's the purpose of dating. Do you think you're going to get married at 13? You know, those kind of conversations are what cultivated... Um, and marked my growing up more so than mom and dad think. And you should tell your par- your friends that you can't watch a PG-13 movie, like those types of things. So so yeah, that was early years through high school. And then college, I think my parents were still amazing parents because I wasn't out of the nest yet. Um, all that I learned growing up as a member in the church. let will see. Yes, my parents encouraged. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think all through early years that prepared me for college and then obviously marriage the weekend after graduation of college, which was very young looking back three years ago. Um, They helped me prepare for their marriage by preparing me for those 18 years. And so three things that I just kind of thought back that they were, how they were great parents in college too. Um, reflecting over those 18 years, Kirby and I shared a room until I think I was a senior in high school because some of my parents were like, "Fine, okay, fine, you can get a break. No,
1: we shared a room till one day you picked up your stuff and walked <laughs> out. You moved out.
4: I moved out. I needed, I needed space. I think that I was when you
1: were a freshman in high school.
4: Really? Oh, well, we, I think we ended up sleeping together more than I realized. Really? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I, through that, Even though I guess I packed out, I truly don't remember packing my stuff, moving out. I thought we resolved our conflict well. We lived with someone else. We learned not to be isolated and live just in a room. We were always, it was always an open door. Come downstairs, you're doing homework with, around people. Um, Okay, this is actually a really funny story. Kirby and I, since we're so different, but best friends, but so different, we... um, my mom, we got in so much trouble. And my mom literally gave us the, do you remember this? Gave us the love dare. Do y'all know what that is? It's a 30-day challenge to love your spouse well. (laughs) We did it.
1: Kirby and I did it. And again, because my mind, like I had some mind issues, like it would say your wife. And I would be like, like I was just so messed up by some of that. I think it was earlier in high school. What'd you say? It was like it would say like write your wife a loving note. And I would be like. I just got you know gave. Get, get so
4: anyways, we did it, and then we had to turn it into my mom for her to read it. So that was always interesting. But the love air for your spouse or your sibling. Um, so what's really funny is I found out Connor did it to me last year, and then I was like, Babe, my sister did that to me in high school. <laughs> I picked up, I picked up on what you were doing because I've gotten flowers before from my sister. <laughs>
1: I never got her flowers, but I color-coordinated her closet. Like, I refolded all her T-shirts. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the act of service week or day or whatever it was. Anyways, okay, so they did Sharing a room was really great, and it was really fun, and it cultivated that you're with people, you're not isolated, you're a part of a big family, life isn't about you, even though I picked up and moved out. Okay. Two, if parents got in conflict, they'd ask forgiveness in front of us. They would pause, acknowledge it, and live humbly, and we'd all move on from there. But that happens a lot. That's something I really remember, because then in college, when you get roommates, I was the only one doing that, and a lot of my friends are on staff at Watermark now, and I was the only one pausing in the moment, and they didn't know what that was. They They didn't grow up in believing homes, and they'd be like, why are you saying, will you forgive me? Aren't you just sorry? And so explaining that, I think, was so important growing up in those years, because when you are roommates, it gave us that... Freedom to actually f- forgive each other and like move on.
2: You should have given them all a copy of the Love Dare.
4: <laughs> I should have <laughs> underneath your seats oh, if you look have. now. <laughs> One lucky winner. Okay, and then in college, my parents were very active. More so my more so my dad, but very active in. Um, our relationships and it worked out for Kirby and I both so Landry is in the middle of it and if she gets asked on a date party or anything they just pick up the phone and call my dad and my dad will save it under Landry's A&M College (laughs) guys, their contact (laughs) and uh anyways mom do you want to say anything on that I want to say
0: something because Allie's getting ahead of herself on some of the questions and answers uh so okay I'll skip that (laughs) so no, <laughs> just be done just be done I'm almost done okay so um,
4: <laughs> okay so anyways now I'm a young mom and we'll get to that too so
0: go ahead mom that was, <laughs> all right we got it we got the mic back um <laughs> that was supposed to be three minutes uh I, I do want to just remind you all uh before we start the questions that motherhood is a high calling um God values children we have the privilege of molding and shaping the next generation and this is um, and motherhood is one of the greatest ways for you and me to see our need for God and to grow in holiness and so um, I think what we're going to do is uh, talk through some of the some of the questions that Millie has for us and um, I think we will probably refer back to some of what Allie just said Um, uh, but here we go
2: okay So how, um, Alex, how did you handle devotionals or Bible teachings in your home? Was it mandatory for for them to read the Bible daily? And if so, what age? And what did that look like exactly?
0: Um, Okay. Love this question because I I think the majority of you have young kids. And so um, I want to talk to that. Um, We did a lot of Bible reading, but we didn't get out our big, thick Bible and read um, we got out the children's storybook Bible, and we spent a lot of time, even when our kids were, you know, a year, 18 months, as much as they could handle reading God's word and reading it to them, reading it over them, um, and then that just progressed. It looked different for the age that everybody was, um, but I will say, uh, it was, I think if you asked my kids if it was mandatory, some of them would have said, you made us read the Bible. The truth was, we encouraged it. Um, but we didn 't we didn 't mandate it. Um, we did however have uh, as you know with with the six kids, you know it was certainly a big age, age range ten years difference between Allie and camp. so camp had to wiggle through a lot of like family sit down and talk about what we read that day and so um, some of our best time was family devotionals, and so what we would do is we 'd go spend a little time alone reading God's word and then we would come back and we would, and it would take out, this would take hours uh, or could take hours Um, reading, uh, telling everybody what you read and what you learned. Some people are, you know, a little shorter winded than others in our family. And so uh, that's a little bit how we did it. And so um, one of the other ways that we um, talked about God's word, which I love is we used um, our car as the place where there's no distraction they're locked in. They can't go anywhere. They're usually in a seatbelt, so they can't wiggle out and wiggle around too much. Um, but I, it was funny because last week when we talked, to, when we talked, um, went through our run through. I thought on the way to school, I was just gonna. Uh, I was taking Camp to school, and he's 14. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna see how this goes. We haven't done it in a while. And so I said, hey, Bud, turn to Proverbs 21, and he like moaned and groaned like I was asking him to do who knows what. And I said, buddy, just just open your Bible. And of course, he has his Bible on his phone, and so he um, pushed back a little bit. Ugh, I get I get carsick when I read, and he just made up all sorts of things. And then, um, so then he put on Siri to read it, and he put it in like really slow motion so that you couldn't really understand what it was. And um, then it sped up real fast. And I think what he was trying to do was just shake me off of it and see if I was going to, you know, back down. I was like, hey, bud. And then I decided, okay in my head, this is all going on. I'm taking him an hour early to school today because he's going to go in and shoot baskets in the gym. I've got an hour to get this out of him. He thinks we've got like four minutes till we're at the gym and I'm just going to shake it off. And I'm going, no, I've got him trapped for an hour. I know he doesn't have to get out of the car. And so I was committed. And I was like, we're going to do this. And so, you know, uh, so I relented though on making his voice read the scripture. I let him get Siri like in a, regular pace and read um proverbs 21 and i then i just tell him like okay stop there what do you learn he still grumbled a little bit anyway he later then texted me from the gym about 45 minutes later his takeaway from that scripture so today i thought okay i'm gonna test him again uh driving to school and he said and so i said hey camp um uh, i asked him a question first and he wasn't really engaging and then i said hey buddy turn to your um I said, turn to Proverbs 21. Uh, he goes, oh, okay. And so he pulls out his Bible, and I go, okay, read me the, read me the verses. And he said, oh, Mom, my heart is so sleepy. And I said, what? <laughs> and I'm thinking, surely he's not going to go through this whole moaning and groaning thing again. I just want to give you a picture of, like, sometimes it comes easy, and sometimes you got to, as a mom, just push through it. And um, so anyhow, he ended up, reading a few verses. We probably got through six verses discussing, um, you know, what we could pull out from there. And then I said, buddy. Oh, oh the first thing he said too, was, which was funny, is didn't we just read this? And I said, oh yeah. Remember last week, last Friday, we did the same thing. I go, but guess what? You can still learn something from the same passage of scripture. And so um, anyway, so he did get uh, give me some feedback today. It was a lot less grumbling than that last week because maybe he realized, like, she means business when, you know, she says open your Bible and start reading. He didn't even, oh, but what he did do is he started answering me in an Australian accent. <laughs> Which I was like, that's so fun. I mean, it, it kept him engaged, and he was being silly, and, um, and he, he, put some, he, uh, he put some of God's word in his heart today so that he could be a leader in school, that he could have just the right perspective walking, getting out of that car and walking in that building. So anyway, the girls might have a little something to add. And then, Leslie, how much time do we have before we're breaking? We'll do another question after this.
1: Okay. 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 So the thing that I would add to this, and this is just to bring it back down to earth, because um, I don't know what your perception is of our family, but I know that it could easily be that we were all these children that were like, Father, feed us again. And the truth is, the truth is, we were like, Dad, we hear your voice way more than you realize, like Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, you know. So there was times that we, uh, like, really put up a fight, and um, times that, you know, some of us would rather be anywhere but there. Um, But the principle that I really drew out of these times as a kid, and I don't really remember a ton of the devotions we did as a family, and that's kind of the beauty of this, um, is that, she remembers some things, and I remember other things. But at the end of the day, it's the it's the perseverance over time, um, and then God, you know, is is doing a work in each child's life, and um, is going to bring things to mind for them that um, are unique to each individual. And so, the thing that I really learned out of it is that it was a priority to my parents, and and they weren't going to balk at my attitude or my, you know, sarcasm or my, you know disagreement or my desire to not do it. They were like, hey, this is a priority to us. And as a child under our roof, like this is going to be something we do together as a family. And so I really like saw that value portrayed in my parents' life that even if it was a beautiful day and we're on vacation and we're in the mountains or hey, you're getting my story, (laughs) there's a lazy river outside. Like my parents were like, we're going to take a few hours and do this. And so um, it really did teach us the value of like you make time for at the cost of other fun things for things that are going to feed your soul and ultimately be good for you.
4: Yeah, family vacations were a big place that we took a chunk of time uh, (laughs) in the mornings to have our quiet time and read and then come back and circle in. And one person a day was designated the teaching time in the morning. But some people, we were like, speed it (laughs) up. But I just remember that looking back, like really being a special time, like obviously now seeing the fruit from it, rather than being in the mountains running around, but... um.
1: There was one time Cade was in charge of the teaching of the day, and he chose Ecclesiastes, which the first, like, chapter was, like, and all of this is meaningless, and all of this is vanity, and so he was reading it, and he got, like, to verse 7. My dad was like, hey, buddy, where are you going with this one? And Cade was like, I don't know. He just, like, (laughs) he just read the scripture and left it at that, and, and we ended up having an awesome conversation, but... You know what?
2: For an encouragement, though, I'm listening to Alex, you know, press through and and encourage. Ecclesiastes 11.6 said, sow your seed in the morning and in the evening and let your hands not be idle because you don't know which will take root, whether this or that or whether both will do equally well. And so that encouragement there is, guys, we just got to keep planting, you know, keep planting the seeds and keep sowing the seeds. And I'm also reminding you, too, that if you sow fruit in the morning, don't have the fruit on the menu for dinner. It takes a while. You plant those seeds in the morning, you're not going to experience fruit. And so keep planning, keep sowing, keep doing it. Don't let your hands be idle. So that would be an encouragement.
0: Yeah, and, you know, um, you're not going to be able to get your kids to read God's word if they don't see you reading God's word. And so that's, I'll tell you what, when you reflect on motherhood, everything comes back to, what are you doing? Um, you're not going to be able to feed them if you're not feeding yourself. And so it, for your kids, uh, you know, don't grow weary. Um, it can be a few minutes. Don't put the pressure on yourself to, like, I, we've got to do a family devotional. Um, take a verse. Take a few verses. Find it in the morning. Find it when you have them in the middle of the day, when they wake up from a nap. When it just the point is find some time. It just doesn't have to be too long. And a few more things
1: that I loved that my mom did is she wouldn't, um, like, overwork herself in trying to create these amazingly creative, awesome, like, this is going to connect with my child. Like, we literally opened up the Bible and read Proverbs 21 so many times that, uh, like, there was, it was just nothing special. It was just easy, something we could all do. Everybody would run upstairs and grab their Bible. Um, And then she also wouldn't, uh, like, she would prioritize that own time in the Word in force us to entertain ourselves for a little bit. So she wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I need to wake up, even though you did wake up early. But you didn't, you know, like, okay, now my kids are awake and my life is theirs and everything. I need to be present at all times. She would feed herself so she could really take care of us in the way that mattered. So, I know.
2: I'd like to know. Well, I'm going to ask that question. What did your mom do well? So, Alex, what do you feel like you did well? I mean, what would you think?
0: Okay, so... um, You know, not necessarily we've moved on from, like, what our kids did, you know, uh, devotionally. Um, What did I do well as a mom? You know, who really knows what what I did well? Um, You know, especially, like, thinking back. My gosh, you listen to that mom song? I think I held the fort down pretty well. I got up and did it again the next day. Um, But I hope my kids would say that... Even though I made plenty of mistakes, that I really showed them Christ, led them to Christ, um, you know. And again, I want to hear. I want y'all to keep hearing me say, I made a ton of mistakes, and God's grace was all over that. And my kids, um, you know, all are walking with the Lord. That is all glory to God. Um, I tried to be faithful and obedient in my daily devotion. And God honored that. So um, one of the other things I think Todd and I both did well is that um, we had a lot of opportunity to be away from home, and Todd especially purposed to be home and with our kids, and um, it was just a lot easier for me because that was my that's my job. that was my role. And um, you know there were but we said no to a lot so that we could be present with our kids. Um, so I would say, you know, those are probably a couple of things I did okay.
4: I'd say, um, yeah, my mom just embodied like contentment with friends, with not, with saying no to parties and fun things, like extracurricular just to be with us. And I think that that, just stuck with me. Contentment even in material things and the next thing and the house and the car and you know I mean ministry is one thing, but when you live in it in Dallas, regardless of in Dallas, you can totally get caught up in things. And I think just the contentment piece, which we'll get to later. Um, but yeah, just super content and very straight, steady headed, nothing everything's gonna work out. And I think I've definitely now seen that in myself to a fault. But everything's gonna work out. So
1: Yeah. And I would say like the three words that I think that really mark my mom are steady, secure, and content and patient is a fourth. Um, but, uh, just, I always think of the verse Colossians 3 23, um, which just talks about doing everything as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for man. And we were definitely, and still aren't, uh, grateful enough for the leadership of our parents, but really specifically for the ways that our mom served us as kids. Um, Like, we definitely, we didn't manifest our gratitude in serving or thanking or anything near enough, but my mom has a joy that she performs and had a joy that she performed even the most mundane things with that proved to me as I became more spiritually mature, like, she's really not doing this for me. Like, she's doing this because it honors God, and it was so, so evident in the way that she was able to persevere through attitudes, through our through the times that I'd be like, Mom, you just don't understand me, or Mom, you just don't love me, or Mom, you, you're just not a good listener. Like, those things that I definitely said, she she persevered because she wasn't doing it. So, I would think she was my best friend, or, you know, she was doing it for the Lord,
0: so. So, while I was going through my box of um, notes and all that, um, and remember how I told you that all my answers come back to community, um, when I was having a rough day as a mom, my community, and, and really on the good days too, my community encouraged me to not, um, to not grow weary, to, to hang in there, um, to remember God's faithfulness, to remember that I have hope. Um, and uh, so I also came across several notes from gals in my community group that were encouraging, like, here's what I'm praying for you. I should have brought one. Um, Tawny McFarland wrote me the nicest note, and she wrote it in like 2006. And I'm reading that the other day, like sobbing in my garage, because I I'm like I didn't remember that note from Tawny, but that note ministered to me in that moment, you know, in my whatever was going on. Um, so uh, I really do think that my community was a big part of my, um, you know, doing things well as a mom. Um, and then I just wanted to let you know, so I have a friend who texted me last night and she just said, um, well, it's a long text about several things. And then at the end it says, I think I have more than I can handle. And I, like a sad face with a tear, like I almost wanted to skip this to go be with her because I know what she, what she's talking about. But I said, Angie, where are you today? She's in the hospital here in Dallas, not, she's from Waco Um, And I said, I'd love to come remind you of God's goodness and hope that I know you believe. Because that's what my friends did for me, is that they wanted to remind me of God's hope and his goodness. And there were days I needed that. And so now, you know, here I am, I'm like, where are you? I'm coming to you today. So I haven't heard back from her yet,
2: but... You know, that's one thing I think that I spoke when I did last week on the gift of motherhood. Guys, we've got to encourage one another. And to encourage, that means to put courage in or confidence in somebody to inspire them. And that's what I think the gift of motherhood, we all can be encouragers to our children, to our peers that are walking with us. Because like Alex said, don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, in due time, you will reap a harvest. It's a journey. And so, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just a sweet little reminder again.
0: We've said that verse a couple of times. That's Galatians 6, 9. And we're going to have a resource paper, I think, for you all okay um that's gonna list some of the scripture that we've mentioned today and some things that we reference
1: and another thing I would say just before we move on is that uh just on the note of encouragement as in growing devotion in our hearts to God um something our parents did really well was they celebrated us as individuals when we uh when we came to them with like a verse we were memorizing or we had something that God had taught us in the word or We had some kind of small act of faithfulness in our life. They would celebrate that among the siblings, which as for me, and it might just be my wiring, like there was nothing as like, you know, as bolstering as like my dad being like, hey, Kirby, why don't you share with your siblings that amazing thing you told me this morning? And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) you know, and then I'd quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. and, uh, And just like that small celebration and encouragement in front of siblings was a huge like uh, step for me in wanting to do that more because I just, I wanted to be celebrated. Can I
4: say one more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and
2: then we're going to take okay, the then table we'll take a break.
4: One. I think this is just really practical for you guys too that they did great in just because I want to make it practical for y'all. But um, it's role-playing with your kids. I think for me that was so good. Like for struggling with for, with friends, like role-playing out, hey, this scripture, for instance, before I could sleep over at a friend's house, I would quote someone with them and he'd walk through it and really try to navigate, okay, if it movie turns on what are you going to say how are you going to react to your friend that gives you a hard time or just role-playing a lot of different scenarios that set your kids up for success and that could be I mean just like when we tell our kids not to hit they're like they're two but like role-playing hey what do you do instead let's have soft hands but like even at an early age like truly instilling scripture in them but then also helping them with like the next steps on what to do I think was really great. And, that, and then my younger siblings would watch. My parents help me. And so when they got to that point, they, wouldn't, they either would make, the decision, <laughs> make that decision or wouldn't. And so they got to see the consequence of what we decided as older siblings. That's good.
2: Okay, we're going to take a table time. There's going to be some questions that come up. And so y'all just talk amongst yourselves. I mean, what are you doing to put God's word into your child's life? What do you think you are doing well? And what has stuck out to you so far that we've talked about? Okay, ladies, there's a buzz going on in the room. Well, we're ready to get going again so we can get as much wisdom as we can. Um, Our next question that we're going to talk about is, how did your family keep a healthy Christian perspective on life while living in the heart of Dallas?
0: Okay. Do one of y'all want to go first this time?
2: Yes, I'll I'll share. Um,
1: So I think... Two things. One, our parents did an awesome job of exposing us to people in our city that have incredibly different living situations, and so we served together a lot Um, uh, in West Dallas, South Dallas, mentoring Quentin, um, being involved in stuff that Watermark was doing, cleaning high schools and that kind of thing. But then also, um, our parents really included us in ways that they were giving generously to either um, African orphan sponsorships or to the church, and so we were always – very aware that our family was making sacrifices for something bigger than ourselves, um, rather than building a pool, which we begged for, or, uh, you know, wearing limited two clothes when I was little. That was really important to me, because that was like the name brand when I was little. Uh, And so they just really had that conversation with us that it's not about building, you know, our own identity, but it's about building a church together. And I really think, I mean, I definitely as a little girl wanted to have certain things that I didn't have that all my peers had, but in a way that sometimes made me feel like a loser at middle school. Now (laughs) I'm really grateful because my parents really protected me from putting my identity in things like clothes or like things that I had. I I totally, as a little girl, because I have that tendency, would like, you know, start to be defined by things that I had or things that I wore, things like that. So it was really a, a major protection for me um, that I, I felt part of that decision as a family, like we're not gonna do this, so
0: we can do that, so. Yeah, I, think, I feel like we struggled well and we talked uh, a lot about uh, what we had if others had a need and we could meet it. Let's do that, How can, what does that look like? Um, I think Kirby reminded me the other day of we did Angel Tree and we'd go into homes where these kids had nothing except for what we brought them for Christmas. Their parents were incarcerated. Um, and then she mentioned that we mentored a young man. And we picked we, we got him when he was in fourth grade. And this was, you know, of course, you can't project how that's going to go. But for us, it ended up going pretty well. Um, he was in fourth grade. We, he, he was in West Dallas. And he was living with a mom who was a crack addict his dad was in prison his brother had been to prison multiple times and has still in over the course of years that we mentored him uh, had had been in prison multiple times and so um he graduated from high school uh and he's in college playing football in amarillo and um he and i just texted him this weekend to see how he's doing doing great in school doing great with football um and so it it's been a um A way that we could bring him into our family and we didn't tell we didn't sign up as mentors Todd and I we're like we told our kids Quentin is going to be a part of our family and we're not his mentors we all are and so that was something that we did that um, I don't know maybe that was nine years of um, and we're not done with Quentin we feel like he's a significant part of our family and so um, you know we we saw need and it was a little scary because, you know, fourth grade boys are a whole lot different than 12th grade boys. And so it was a to, Like, you just don't know what you're getting yourself into. And we just by faith did that. And it's been, it was an amazing uh, experience, I think, for both of us.
1: And just to, like, again, keep bringing it back down to earth. Like, there were times where we were like, Mom, please, like, can we just go to the pool with just our family? And, like, sometimes we would beg our parents to not include Quentin. And they were continually casting that vision of, like, We're going to make sacrifices together. And this isn't about you. And this, you know, this.
4: You came on that family trip with us. Yeah. To a family camp. And then my quick story outside of like um, outreach was more for Watermark. I remember giving up Slurpees. This is just like a funny. (laughs) We gave up Slurpees for a year. Do you remember this? After school to raise money for the Dallas Watermark building. That was really hard. But we were, we raised so much money as the Wagner family kids because we were sacrificing our afternoon snack at 7-Eleven for the watermark building. And I think my dad shared that. and I think we ended up getting, sometimes the Lord prevails for the kids. And we got like free Slurpee tickets from like the 7-Eleven headquarters or something. But,
0: and, and we also tried to be creative. One of the years we, um, we said at Thanksgiving, the week prior to Thanksgiving, Uh, because we were so plugged in in Africa as a church. We're going to eat like Africans for a week, and we're just going to identify with what they're eating. And um, I remember Cade was pretty young, and we showed him a video of the kids that we sponsor in Africa, not just us, but the watermark body at large. And um, he started, and we were talking about, hey, we're going to eat like Africans, which pretty much meant rice, beans, and bananas for a week.
1: Like all the mushy foods. So by the end of the week, we were like, can we please just ship them some chips? Like,
4: they just need something crunchy. They would pack our lunches with just rice and beans for a week at school.
0: So we'd show up with packed lunches as African kids. And so we showed Cade um, the video of these African kids that we were sponsoring, and he just started sobbing. And we thought, Todd and I both thought, he was like so disturbed that he wasn't going to get his regular food and you know all that, but it was the, that's where we were like wow, Kate is our compassionate child. His heart was breaking for those kids. That's really what it was. And so that, that in my mind is just like one of those moments when I'm like okay he gets it. So we tried to be creative.
2: This is a light bulb moment for me because Watermark, when Blaine was young, did a deal where you came to the church for the whole weekend and you ate rice and beans. We had no idea that was going on. And you were living in a cardboard box. Do you remember that? You had to walk shoeless to the (laughs) porta potties, I think, down by Medical City or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, we had to truck in the early morning due to get water. And it was like, it was like maybe October. And all of us are like, (laughs) it was just, honestly, we're just glad the news didn't show up because we were the most... Like, oh, they turned the lights on
2: in the middle of the night, and we thought Blaine had a big time. We said, how was it? I'm starving. I've got to get a pizza. We had to take him straight to get a pizza. They were. It was an invisible we children didn't do it for thing all creating,
1: week. like, an African experience when all this stuff was happening in Uganda with the yeah. LRA. So yeah. in the middle of the night, they turn on the lights, play this music, and, like, two kids were taken out of the room. Like, they got abducted. It was traumatizing.
2: No, but... <laughs>
0: But I, I, just saw it go up on your screen during the during the announcements. Is the was it hands and feet? Yeah, that's so. What that's I'm a great make, opportunity yeah. to just you know your kids are little. Let them participate in a little something yeah. for other people.
2: It reminds me too when they're talking about the prison ministry and Christmas, my kids always, they still remember so well. We not only went and bought things, but we wrapped them and we all took them as a family to these homes, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was so much more moving than just going, I mean, it's great to do angel tree and stuff at the mall, and that. but your kids don't get the real experience to, to, to deliver them. I don't know that they still do that, but that was always very impactful with my kids too.
1: And just giving us like an image to match like the words that our parents were encouraging us with. So we're making sacrifices for other people and then I'd walk into the apartment and see three kids and a and parents and cans on the counter and two mattresses on the floor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the only thing this little girl's getting for Christmas is this plastic doll we just bought her. And she lives, you know, it just like created such a sensitivity in me. And y'all would always
4: say, we are the wealthiest family in America. And it's not based off of money and stuff. It's based on eternal life. And so we don't have we're not, yeah, we're just We're wealthy. We are the richest family in America, is what he would always say. And we'd be like, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) not.
2: But now you get it. Being older and now that you have Randy, you get it. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to move on to what were your specific boy challenges, Alex, and how did you handle the rowdiness? If you just want to touch on that. Yeah.
0: Any boy moms in here?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You are blessed. Yeah.
0: Put that seatbelt on. I would say, I don't know, this might be a little controversial, and I'm not just saying it because the girls are here, but boys are a little, in my experience, was, they were a little tougher. And so I had to really be, a you know, with, land like, for instance, Landry, I could just, like, change my tone. I could, um, so Landry's my daughter. Um, I could change my tone. I could uh, look at her a certain way, and she'd just kind of back up, like, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? The boys are a little different. And so instead of engaging them and getting into the battle, uh, we had to be creative. And so some of the things that we did with the boys, um, and I I would say for a lot of years, it was constant instruction. (laughs) But y'all, it's a lot of years. Allie's 25. I'm sorry I have to ask that. Allie's 25. I've been parenting for 25 years, and I'm not done. Uh, camp's 14, and so, you know, theoretically, he'll go off to college at 18, but I've found that you still parent a little bit beyond college when they're gone, Um, so that's a lot of years, Um, but to not get uh, in the middle of the battle with the boys, sometimes they just needed to clear their heads a little, and so, depending on their age, they may take a little jog down the block, they may jog down the block if they push back on me, they jog down two blocks, you know, and the distance got a little further, or if they're disrespectful in the car, or they're like, well, why didn't you pick me up right outside the door? Oh, I thought it was a privilege to get a ride home from school. Um, You know, I mean, I didn't want to go down the, you know, I walked all the way home from school all my elementary years. I didn't want to put that on them, but uh, we'd stop a few blocks short of the house, and I wouldn't necessarily zoom home. I'd kind of creep down the street in my car as they're walking home, because you know what? they gotta have that heart of gratitude. What Millie was mentioning, I think, um, oh, you mentioned it earlier, the song about gratitude, still in my head. Um, Let me see. My, uh, so my boys, um, you know, it, it looked a little bit different.
1: Um, and I would say, not that I'm speaking to how to raise a boy, but just in being a sister, some things that I watch my parents do really well is Camp, now he's awesome. We give him a hard time because he is a little bit of a punk, but... He's awesome, but he's a master avoider, so, like, you know, you ask him to do the dishes, and now there's just three at home, and so it's a little bit. Yeah, he'll have to shower. Mom, I need to do my homework now, or he'll start talking, you know, and winning you over because he's super winsome, but uh, there were times when my mom would be like, hey, no, this is the expectation for you, for, for the boys, and they would stand there at the dish counter sink for 30 minutes doing the dishes, or 45 minutes, it'd be so much faster for us to do it or her to do it, but that was the expectation for the boys. So, like, pushing through what's convenient and efficient for, like, the discipline of raising up those, you know, um, habits in them. Mm-hmm. You did that well? Yeah. Yeah. Still taking for some of
0: them, but... And, I, you know, I think it was mentioned earlier, uh, we had we had consequences and we stuck to them. As I think Kirby said, there were no idle threats, or Allie. Yeah, yeah there were no idle threats. I mean, you have to be consistent and kids love boundaries, and they thrive with consistency. You should
4: tell them about the, my phone.
2: Oh, oh well, yeah, I well, think, the next question. Say, okay, I was going to say the funniest thing, though, to me is about Cooper's phone and just how the Lord has such a great sense of humor.
0: Oh, yeah. Cooper, um, well, actually, he was going to pick Blaine up, her son, and um, he was a new driver. And... Uh, this is just amazing how God does this. But, uh, you know, we prayed as parents that your, that our kids' sin would find them out uh, or that, and that we would find out. And uh, so Cooper's a new driver. You're only at that time allowed to have one non-family member in your car when you're driving for about six months. And um, so he's going to pick up Blaine. Well, there are like three other guys. And he just he throws them all in his car, and he's driving home, and he pocket dials Todd. And the whole time he's driving, he's saying, "Oh, I'm gonna get—I'd get in so much trouble if my dad or my mom knew that I was driving all of you guys to—I think they were going to Waterburger, and then they, you know, were going to their respective homes or whatever." And um, and he knew that we were serious about, you know, the, what the law says and requires of you. we we agree with that, and so um, anyway, so he came home and we started asking him some leading questions, and the truth didn't come out right away. And so I'll just leave it that there were some consequences with that, but that is a funny story because, you know, what are the chances? But I can't tell you how many times things like that have happened with our kids, but really, even more specifically, I don't know why Cooper, but pretty much, pretty much Cooper didn't get away with much, and I'm sure that he's going to come to us, you know, at some point and tell us all
2: that he did get away with, but... That's why you gave him uh, the challenger behind his name. Oh yeah. yeah, he's the challenger. Did you want to say something, Allie, about that? I know you had something about a phone. Oh I keep
0: Yeah. Coming. The next question Sh- was about Yeah. What ahead.
2: about girls? So yeah. Tell us a little bit about girls and what that looked like parenting.
0: Yeah, so the, I would I didn't think the challenge was as great with girls. They had some interpersonal stuff. Uh, the three girls. Um, it revolved around Clothes. some like silly, yeah, silly girl things. Um, which really funny is I don't even know if you all know this but um, behind the paint in their bathroom um, you know like on the studs there or on the sheetrock, it says um, do everything without grumbling or disputing and so when we painted our bathroom that was underneath and we put it right by the the bathroom sink that the girl shared because we figured what better place because uh, girl stuff is sort of silly like that But Allie had a period of disrespect. And we had, of course, this is going to tell us tell you how long ago it was. We had one flip phone for our girls. It was bright pink. Bright pink.
1: And like four inches thick.
0: Yeah. And so they shared that phone. And they basically checked it out. And so when they needed a phone, um, they would come check that out. Well, there was a period when Allie had the phone for a little bit more because she was in middle school or whatever age it was. And um, she kind of got to this point where she was showing some disrespect, and she said, she was basically like, I'm going to count the cost. If you want me to say no, ma'am, yes, ma'am. She didn't really say this. She just uh, acted this way. And um, she decided that she was not going to address us that way. And we said, that's fine. That's your choice, but, you know, the phone's going to be ours. And then once you get back into the habit of showing us some respect, um, then, you know, we'll consider giving that phone back. Guess how long we had that phone? Six weeks six weeks, and we're paying for it, and we're thinking this is ridiculous, um, but anyway, yeah. it just taught her a lesson that I we was only were serious. bad for six weeks of my life, so so
1: I would say for me something that she did that set me up well is after we 'd get in conflict, she would let me come back down to earth and then address it later, and again she would come into our room at night and have conversations. Hey y'all's interaction today about this. Like let's let's talk about that once we were de-escalated. So she gave us permission to be immature and freak out and then she would come back to it which just helped me. I'm emotionally like a roller coaster at times. And then um for me discipline um uh, I was pretty hard on myself and so one way that she really helped me was just with encouraging me with scripture memory and um and, uh, the physical discipline for the boys, but then also sometimes for us just like doing pushups or something to distract us to help us work out our issues. Like it would change our disposition so much and make us so much more
0: willing to hear, but just that cool down time, which I know isn't. Really- yes. Yeah, so for the boys, uh, we used to joke because Cade seemed to get in a lot of trouble. And so he would do push-ups, burpees, you know, run to the park. And I used to, I used to joke with them. I'm like, you ought to be the strongest guy in your school. <laughs> um, but the girls, um, I was going to say something about you too. Oh, we had, and this is just part of being creative. I don't know if we heard it somewhere, but we called, I mean, Allie Kirby Day. If they got into conflict, we'd be like, okay, it's Allie Kirby Day. You can only do something together everywhere you go. And so that was just kind of a fun way to. And the other thing that
1: I, like for me individually, like, my parents would pull me aside and almost like build me up as a leader and be like, you are going to have to be the bigger person and you have the opportunity to lead your siblings. And again, it just like called me to something greater than myself and I really would want to rise to the occasion. So that was just a good strategy you remember, you and dad
4: have. Do you remember the kindness necklace? He would mm-hmm. cut out the no, sheet yeah, paper.
0: It, no, it wasn't. It was a little stone and it said okay. kindness and it, it wasn't even a necklace. It was just a little like, you know, something you hold in your hand, put in your pocket. And we gave that uh, as an award around our family. And that means, I mean, I that, when when you're a little kid, you want to win an award, don't you? And so um, that just, they've got like a little healthy competition in there. And why not be kind and, and receive that award? This, at, was a, this was a discipline necklace.
4: Remember he cut out, maybe it was just to me one time and I remember it. It was a rectangle. It was like this. So your head could literally, a bigger thing, and you would wear it. And it, it said, bind kindness around your neck. And it was literally a piece of paper. <laughs> Proverbs like, 3, 3, and 4. Yeah, I know. That verse. And he wrote it around. And he had me write it around when I got in trouble. And I was like, this is the worst necklace ever.
2: <laughs> okay, so now, okay, so we, do we have anything else to add to that? Or can we move no, on to about family meal time? Tell us about your family meal time.
0: Okay, I know you've heard Todd uh, more than likely talk about our family meal time. Our family meal time we use for a lot of different things. Um, one, we do, um, you know, we, we do like just an easy, like what was your high, what was your low for the day? Um, we had at different times in um, our kid you know, when our kids were in different grades, we would say, hey, um, we're going to invite all your teachers over, and we are going to, um, you're going to learn how to ask questions. And so we would invite... You know, a whole grade full of teachers, um, and digging through my boxes, got some notes from those teachers, uh, just in you know what they saw that was different in our family, which was so encouraging. I'd long forgotten about it, but um, it was impactful for our kids, especially. Um, uh, what you've heard Todd talk about is how we really don't break bread together until we've resolved conflict. And um, that is probably something that we probably we all laugh about, especially as adults. We're kind of like, "Ugh," and me, I just spent you know a few hours cooking dinner. Let's not let the meal get cold. No, the meal d- the meal is going to be cold until we resolve conflict with one another. So that's something that we've done around our meal time. What about y'all? Can think of anything else? I would just say, like, um, including us, we'd set
1: the tables. We were hosts. We would initiate, ask questions, and my parents really called us to that when we had guests, just about act, like playing the host and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we would get dismissed to pray to, like, if we were, uh, like, consistently acting up. acting up or arguing or being disrespectful or whatever, we would, we would be dismissed from the table to go pray and, um, and journal. Heart, so, right? like, yeah, we would miss dinner sometimes for more extended time with the Lord. Um, but... Uh, yeah, just that we would, food would get cold all the time, and you would sit there, and like, the rest of the family would get to start eating, and you would have to just, you know, search your heart and pray that God would soften it, and then once you were ready, you could, you know, rejoin the conversation and the eating, but, which, yeah, I mean, I and, they, and we always knew the why. That was a big part, is like, we knew why we weren't eating. It was never just like, you're, you know, you're missing dinner. It was like, because the word says this, and because we, this is more important to us than you know, having the yeah. ideal family dinner.
2: I always remember just Alex being so gracious about, she would include, if you talked to her on the phone, she'd say, hey, what are y'all doing for dinner? Come, come over. And she would, it, she was always the most gracious easygoing person about that. I mean, I think Todd would go, I mean, I would be hesitant to send my husband to the grocery store if it was Todd because if he saw 10 for 10 spaghetti sauce, he bought 10 jars of spaghetti sauce and then invited anybody he saw in the grocery store over for dinner and he would call her on the way home and say, I invited, I was amazed at that. And she, I mean, I'm telling you, I have never seen Alex in a bad mood. I mean, I know she does. I mean, I've known her. Oh yeah. No, I'm just saying, I have never. I'm going to give her a shout out because I have never. So she's just a gracious host, and so that makes mealtime is always fun around their house.
0: Yeah, mealtime is, and we still we try to have a family dinner every week for what whoever can come. Um, and we still like it's a way to connect. The same way we used to get our kids and lock the car doors and keep them in. Now it's around our dinner table, and we like sing a song, then we pray, then we all wait to be seated, and
4: then
2: we eat. So it's a very long process. <laughs> That she's very grateful for. Yes, it is. Okay. So in regards... Okay, I know Todd did a sermon back in February 2018 about parenting. He stated three points. To have a plan, have a presence, and be the parent, not the best friend. Mm-hmm. Do you want to... I know you've affirmed that, but what would you like to add to that? Would you? all Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I, I would love to hear what the girls have to say, but um, some of the things that I think we put in uh, to place... Uh, not all of it was done when our kids were your kid's age. But along the way, as we have gleaned from other people, we've incorporated. So don't don't hear us say, you've got to do all these things because just pick something. Something that resonates with you. Something that works for your age child. Or store it away. Pull it out when they're a little older. Um, but some of the things that we had in place. Uh, we had a sleepover plan. Um we We wanted to have a plan to make loving God normal in our family. Uh, we had a plan to resolve conflict with each other and with friends. I can't tell you how many times in middle or in elementary school something happened in class uh, in the school bathroom, in the cafeteria, on the playground and the last thing I want to do is go over and visit you know three different houses and pull the parents out, pull the kid out and have to have that conversation that we did it. Um, So you want to say something? I can see the mic going
1: up. I can think of three instances where I literally knocked on someone's door and like, hi, it's me, Kirby. And I need to ask your forgiveness. But just like my dad would come to school, come meet my teacher, come meet that student's parents, have the conversation. That was like, I felt so protected as a little girl because there was this one time I got pushed on the playground my dad was in the hallway the next morning talking to this boy, Austin, and I know his last name, but I will not say it. Um, I he hope hears- it's not Mankin. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, that's my fiance's last name. But, uh, and my dad was talking to him in the hallway, and, um, and that just meant a ton to me as a little girl, but even if I was like the bully in a situation, I was on, on their front porch
0: the next day um, asking for forgiveness. So one of the things that uh, Todd actually put in print, and you can find that on the resource um, p- uh, paper that's out in the hall, is um, the, how to be a godly woman, how to be a godly man. It has like 45 verses for, for the man and 45 for the women, woman. And um, so that that's, was a great resource. We had that. We used that. We had our kids memorize it. Um, we had a plan for, uh, did I already say purity plan? We had a purity contract. When they were um, in middle school, and here's the kicker, we would invite all their friends over, kind of around their birthday, and we like would thirteen right? Yeah, I guess like thirteen. It, it was like thirteen year old. Got a purity ring. Yeah, and so um, we would have the purity uh, document, and we'd have all their friends sign it. That might be where the the road parted because you know Allie talked about having um, what am I signing? <laughs> what people were like? What am I signing?
4: Why am I telling you not to kiss boy? Um, so anyway, we, we, I'm joking, but we really did truthfully love it. And it was, we had like all the student ministry friends over all the high school or middle school friends at the time. And it was, we had, it was a really neat opportunity to share with them what we believed and what, where we stood and why we were.
0: And one of the cool things is that, you know, that, that probably didn't resonate with a junior high kid. Um, and certainly a high school kid, or at least many of them didn't want to know any, anything else about that purity plan. But it's been cool to have some of their friends come back years later and say, hey, something's different about you. And I remember when, and they will point back to things that they were a part of, you know, years ago. And so both of them have had lots of great opportunities, you know, at the time you feel like it's, uh, you know, as a parent, you know, of course, I don't really want my kids to watch that kind of TV show, that movie, what have you, trying to help them process what that looks like when they're already at someone's house and the parent calling and saying, what, you're not going to let them watch whatever it was. And so, um, you know, it was awkward at times, but it was so helpful to have those things already in place and, you know, and talk about the why, not yeah. just what, but why. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have about five or ten minutes left, just so you... Perfect. Um, And the last... I'll say three things on the have a plan, have a presence, be the parent, not the best friend. Um, Two other things that I've heard both my parents say is just, like, persevere and pray. You would say that, like, you know, prayer is one of the biggest things that helped you and dad. Um, But then also, which are, like, just two additional Ps, but a few things that I remember, just the presence, like... When I think about my early childhood years, um, I think about these late nights. We'd go swim at these, swim at free pools in the, you know, what felt like really late. It was probably just nine. We'd go to the, uh, the park and play monkeys in the zoo with my dad. Like, he would just throw us up there and chase us around and then jumping on the trampoline. There was just something about my dad and mom both being all in on the silliness of something really simple. Um, That In my mind, I'm like, we did that every night of the week, and we probably did it once or twice, but uh, just that, like, being a presence, and then being a parent, and, uh, you know, not caving in when we would complain or grumble, and I definitely felt weird as an elementary school kid, as a middle school kid, and as a high school kid, I felt like I was being put through the ringer, and having to stand up for things, and, I mean, I was constantly felt like I was on the mat in that way, Um, but my parents just didn't cave in, even though I was always complaining. They just persevered. And, like, it empowered me so much in my faith and now in my adult life to continue to be different and be an alien, you know, like the Scripture calls us to be. So,
2: I think one thing, too, I'd love to end on, just because I know how fun this family is. And sometimes I think in our families we forget to have fun. And I can remember, I'm so thankful now that y'all didn't get a pull, because I remember a Mm -hmm. lot of trips to Burkers Lake with this crew, and we would have so much fun. But just that, just talk about really quickly, just like some fun things. Not throwing eggs at people's cars like our Suburban, but (laughs) Allie was not. Yeah, so we just
4: made fun like our house this is something I, I don't think we've touched our house became the fun spots we would have friends over we would make game nights y'all have heard about all the bluebell um that they would just throw out on the counter on a friday night and all our friends it was always it was always a revolving door people were always coming over anyone was invited um but i think the, even those simple things that were cost-free um it just cultivated that wagner house memory of Game nights, yeah, and,
1: and we we really would have mandatory family nights, and all of the each of the kids are different levels of social. Um, like Landry and I were always happy to be at home. Allie would always want to go hang out with friends. Kate always wanted to be with friends, but like regardless, we were Friday nights were Wagner family nights, and we wouldn't play like anything extravagant. We'd play board games, hi ho terio, Candyland, mm-hmm. Farkle, you know, just the silliest things. But it was just the togetherness that now we value. But we had to push through all those times of complaining. They had to push through because they knew on the other end of it we'd be thankful. But
0: And I do want to mention, because we took a stand and we were like, hey, we we want to honor God and we want to be different, um, that made for, and, and the kids bought into that, that made for some really lonely high school years. I don't want you to hear us say that it was, like, super fun all the time. It, we tried purposefully to create fun in our home yeah. because... We had some lonely kids, and um, so we did play relentless games. Um, we have healthy competition in our family. If you come over to our house and you play a game, you might end up jumping in a in a neighbor's pool if you lose, or if you win, you get to sign the lid of the box that we we're playing. And if you open our games at our house, um, you know every bo- box lid has you know, columns of names and dates. So the when losses you want don't
1: it. exactly match the prizes, but
2: the point is...
0: <laughs>
2: so, we had a lot but I can think of pulling through the... And, and family camp, just those memories of family camp. But I remember one time our family pulled through the gates of family camp and Cade was over on the putt putt uh, little area in his tidy whities I thought, "Hey, he must have lost a farkle. So I was like, "If Todd's bringing out that farkle. <laughs> so yeah. it was always fun. You'd have to stick your head in the pool, you know, and then go to dinner. I mean, you know, fun things like that. We did. We did have a fun. We we did,
0: we did have a little prank war once with the Hales, and so, um, you know. Of course, early on, nowadays, you can't do this anymore because everybody's got cameras on their house, but we do ring and run with them. And just free and funny and, like, hide behind the bush, see if they come to the door. I mean, little kids love that kind of stuff. Um, it escalated a little bit when one year uh, her husband, Blaine, put some political signs, like, filled our front yard. And then he pulled his car up onto the grass and, like, laid on the horn at our front door. And so... Quickly, Todd ran to the refrigerator. I, I don't really endorse this, but And he, you
1: wonder why Cooper had some episodes where he made decisions. You were like, where'd he get that? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so anyway, Todd chunked a few eggs at their at their car. They quickly got off our lawn. But we went and armed ourselves with the rest of the or another bundle of eggs. We went out and hid behind a car. And then we thought, surely they're coming back down our road. It's pretty late at night, kind of a chilly night. And along comes the Suburban, looked just like theirs. Driving down the street, and we, Todd says, launch. And so we all, our kids are pretty little, too. Like, all six of us are like, fire. So, we're actually throwing eggs, and the car comes screeching to a halt. It's the same car, different family. So we apologize. We give him five bucks to go wash his car. And so we go back in the house. We reload, and we're like, surely the hails are coming back. Here come the car lights again. Black Suburban, launch, same car. Not the hails. Same guy. And we're, now we're like, no, we're mad. What are you doing coming back by a house where, you know, people we're are launching out eggs? Of eggs. <laughs> yeah, we're at, we're at eggs. Anyway, so I don't endorse the egg throwing. However, it's easy to have fun. Let your kids see you have fun whatever that looks like for you and they got in our friend group we weren't hanging with their friends necessarily they were
4: in our worlds with our friends at our house and then what also they got to know my dad got to know our friends through coaching all of our sports i think that was a big thing growing up
2: i think too you know real quick and then we'll end um you know, I've always thought, you know, be the house your kids want to come, be the house that all the kids want to come to, be the house that your kids want to come to. Mm -hmm. Theirs is a house that their kids wanted to come to. And, and we wanted to come too because it was fun. (laughs) Um, So let me
0: just uh, end by saying, you know, God, again, God used us in spite of our mistakes. Uh, God was faithful. Um, We were committed. Stay committed. If you you know, if you feel yourself, you know, getting lazy, uh, not interested, tell somebody. Tell somebody, I feel like my friend did, I've got too much to handle. Tell somebody, let your community be community to you and let them help you. And I want to say, uh, you know, I'm not the perfect mom, you're not the perfect mom, but you're the perfect mom for your kid. kids, I'm the perfect mom for my kids, your parent, your kids don't need perfect parents. Your kids need Jesus, and so your kids are going to know Jesus if you know Jesus. If you walk with Him and you abide with Him, that's your best bet on your kids walking with the Lord. So, sure, I'll.
1: I'll actually,
0: Kirby, why don't you praise out?
1: Um, God, we just uh, first want to praise you for being the Father in heaven who created the design for family, for woman, for man. Um, And we would just ask you, Lord, for your wisdom because you tell us that uh, you give generously to those who ask. And so, God, increase the faith of all the moms in this room. Um, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless their marriages and um, raise up their husbands to be fathers that um, lead out in their homes, but also just give them opportunities uh, to bring Jesus to their kids, Lord. And um, we just pray that you would allow there to be hundreds of little kids who come out of this room whose hearts are captured for you at a young age. Um, But we just thank you for the gift of motherhood and um, for the gift of this morning to come and share uh, of your grace and your story that you're writing with all of us. So we love you and um, pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.